Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. Rachel from the Small Giants community. And if you are enjoying this podcast with Paul, you will love hanging out with 250 other purpose-driven leaders. Register for the annual Small Giants Community Summit, where we bring together like-hearted leaders from around the country for three days of learning and connecting. Visit smallgiants.org to learn more and register, and we'll see you there. My guest today is Adam Witte. Adam is the CEO of Advantage Media, one of the largest business book publishers in America. Advantage has been named multiple times to the Inc. 5000 list and has been named a best place to work in South Carolina. Adam has also partnered with Forbes to launch Forbes Books, offering branding, visibility, and marketing platforms for business authors. Welcome, Adam. Paul, thank you for the introduction. Uh, I'm so glad to be with you. Well, it's great to, to have you on and and. Uh, you're a, a young guy who's uh, risen quickly in, in the ranks of business leaders and is already making a really big impact. I know it, there's a number of companies under this Advantage Media umbrella, but tell us specifically to set context what Advantage Media does. So Advantage is really what we say our, our tagline is the business growth company. And that is that we help entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And, and the origins of the business are in book publishing, as you mentioned. Uh, we publish books for entrepreneurs and CEOs that want to author a book to build thought leadership and build authority. And from there, once they have that book, which is really one of the most powerful marketing tools in the world, uh, we also have a marketing agency which then can help them activate the book and strategically and systematically uh, build their authority. So the origins of the business in book publishing, but when you look at the whole, uh, the, the core of our business is in business book publishing and, of course, book creation, so ghostwriting and developing the book, and then what we call authority marketing, helping those authors leverage the book that they've created to truly build thought leadership in their marketplace. Uh, that, that, that's still the core and the essence of uh, the drivers of our business today. To dispel some of the myths that are out there around even publishing a business book, I've had the opportunity to do that a few times and just kind of learned as I went, had no idea. That scares a lot of entrepreneurs off. And yet uh, today it's easier than ever. Uh, what are some of the benefits to business leaders to take the time uh, to to write a book or to collaborate on a book, and and is it really expensive to do? Yeah, so far and away, authoring a book will give you more credibility and authority in the marketplace than practically anything else that you could do for yourself. So from from that perspective, I would tell every entrepreneur and every business owner, it's certainly worth seriously considering. Uh, using the book, it's a tool to generate leads and turn those leads into customers for your business. Uh, we very effectively used one of my books as a recruiting tool uh, to attract a player talent. And then, of course, you know when you write a book on whatever the topic it is, it makes you much more attractive to journalists, 
uh, to publicists and to the news media uh, to have you as a guest on their show to interview you or to write about you uh, in their newspaper, in their magazine, or, or perhaps their blog online. So there are myriad, myriad benefits uh, to doing a book. And, and it's one of the best business building tools that there is. Now, as you mentioned, Paul, it is easier today than it's ever been. For most entrepreneurs, unless you already have a book written, I will share that using a ghostwriter, using a professional wordsmith to help you write the book is typically a good idea. Because if you're anything like me, I'm a very ADD entrepreneur. I've got tons of great ideas, but the idea of sitting down and writing those into a 40,000-word book boy, I'd rather watch paint dry. Uh, But we have a team of over 120 ghostwriters and wordsmiths that will sit down, will partner with the entrepreneur, take all of the the brilliant content out of their head and turn it into a book. Uh, So it's never been easier to do. In terms of the financial investment that one makes, uh, it varies on a lot of things, but but typically one should expect about a $25,000 investment on the front end Uh, on the low end. And then depending upon the size of the book and the type of ghostwriter you might work with, um, you know, that number can scale up probably on average as high as about $50,000. So 25 to $50,000. But but if done right, uh, we can help our authors build a ROI plan on how they can pretty quickly uh, generate that money back for their business. Again, whether it's new customers whether it's new A player employees for their business, or whether it's um, speaking at an industry industry trade show, or you know getting major media coverage in an industry or uh, community publication that's relevant to their business, and even that amount of money seems to some maybe smaller businesses like a lot of money. But I will be one to attest that the ROI is so clear. Uh, I can attest to multiple customers that we achieved directly because of the fact that I wrote a book and they read the book and somehow it got to them. And uh, that started a conversation, built a relationship and and ultimately built a a couple multi-million dollar customers. So uh, in the long run, that cost is far outshadowed by the benefit. And and I've definitely been able to experience that. Uh, You built this company to to do this. Uh, You guys are based in South Carolina. Can you share anything in in terms of uh, size of the company, whether it's revenues, number of employees, things? like that to give people a sense of how you've grown? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll do about $35 million in annual revenue this year and uh, have 125 fabulous team members uh, that that help drive the the delivery of books and and marketing tools to our members. Uh, The Advantage family, which includes all of our brands and businesses uh, today, has close to 4,000 members. Uh, we call our customers members because we really want them uh, to to feel like they are a part of our family. Uh, those close to 4,000 members come from 50 U.S. states, uh, 67 countries on six different continents. Uh, so in, in that regard, we truly are an international company. Uh, and, and my drive has always been, Paul, uh, I think the unique value that I bring to the world and if you know people that, that know me well, they say there's plenty of areas where I bring no value to the world. Um, but, but one of the unique areas is uh, I, I do think that it's my calling to be a leader, and, and I hope to be a very good leader. And to grow a company, 
that grows people, that ultimately creates job opportunities and economic opportunities for all the people that are stakeholders in that business. And so my hope is that over time we can uh, you know, continue to grow and prosper and have a lot of impact uh, in the world. In addition to the company growing, I assume that it's fair to say that your personal journey is one that is ongoing. Uh, but I want to take you back now to where this kind of got started. Uh, I mean, to have built a business uh, like this, you're in your mid-30s, is really exceptional. But uh, a lot of this starts with influences we, we got early on, especially in the leadership area. Uh, so talk about uh, your childhood a little bit, your, your parents and influences you had early on. Yeah, I would tell you that I struck the lottery because I was born into an entrepreneurial household. You know, not not only was I born in the United States, which, um, you know, I believe is the greatest country in the world. But but more than just that, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, it's still the greatest entrepreneurial hotbed in the world. Um, and, And so when I think about I was born in the U.S., Uh, I was born into a family with two loving parents and I was born into a family where my father was an entrepreneur and I had the opportunity up close and personal to see uh, the trials and the tribulations that come with entrepreneurship because it's not all roses. Uh, I really look back at my childhood and say, gee, I I struck the the lottery. I mean, I I won. Uh, I couldn't be a luckier guy. And, and I have tried to be a steward uh, of that fortune and that luck uh, that I have received to try to build a company today that is not only best in class, but I hope truly makes a difference in the lives of the people that are involved in it. But my dad, you know, big influence, seeing him start a business from scratch in the garage he had a business partner, a good friend of his, and they started their first business in a garage. Cody was a Labrador retriever. He was in a crate in the corner of the garage. And I kid you not, the first two employees of this company uh, were my mother and my business partner, uh, my dad's business partner's uh, wife. And I mean, truly, this was the garage startup. And, and they grew that into a multi-million dollar business um, had a, a very favorable exit. And so I was able to see it from start li- literally to finish. But as I look back at, at influences in my life, you know, I, I can't help but think about important mentors. And, and I'll just say that for all of the listeners, uh, many of them probably are mentors. Uh, some of them are mentees and probably many of them are, are both. They're a mentor to someone and a mentee to another person. But when I look at the mentors that have shaped my life, the one that really stands out is is a guy by the name of Pat Williams. And and the quick story, Paul, is you've had the chance to meet me in person. So you know that I'm I'm, uh, a pretty tall guy. I'm six foot six. And uh, as a kid, you can imagine I was tall. And guess what? I played basketball. And uh, as a basketball player, I had dreams of playing professionally. Now, those dreams were really short-lived because it's true. White kids truly can't jump. Um, Mm -hmm. But the dream quickly turned from I want to play basketball to I want to run a NBA basketball team. That was my dream job as a kid growing up. And so I had the fortune uh, to get connected with. and, And the truth is I read the book 
that this gentleman wrote, and I wrote him a letter after reading his book. And he wrote me back. And that began what has now been over uh, a 20-year mentorship. The, the gentleman's name is Pat Williams, and Pat is the founder of the Orlando Magic basketball team. Uh, he's a legend in, in professional sports circles. And what Pat taught me, there were so many things, but the first was uh, he said to me, you think you can or you can't, you're right. And I had talked to him about wanting to start a business, and I was telling him all the reasons why I wasn't qualified to start the business. You know, I didn't know enough about the end. I didn't know who the key people were. And he helped me understand that if I had a positive belief system, then there was a better than not chance I could be successful. But if I, if I walked into this business with a negative belief system that, I'm not good enough, I'm not fast enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't know enough people, then I was going to manifest that reality externally. And, and boy, that was, that was a good way to get me centered uh, and, and started on my entrepreneurial journey. Hmm. What a great opportunity. But you know what? It speaks to the fact that you took it upon yourself to, to write to him uh, as well. So it's not that he just landed in your lap. You read the book and you took some initiative, which is uh, a big part of it. How about early jobs or, or, or school? Any, anything there that come to mind in terms of uh, leadership lessons? Yeah, you know, most certainly. Um, my first job, uh, I was in high school and I worked as an intern for the summers for a publishing company. And, you know, now people are probably beginning to pull the dots together. But I thought I would, candidly, Paul, I thought I would hate it. And I ended up really, really loving it. I, I thought that it was so neat to see how books were made, how the books were written, how they were designed, how they were published and, and of course, printed and distributed and then sold into the marketplace. And so what I thought I wouldn't like a whole lot. After spending just my first summer there, I ended up liking uh, a lot. And uh, I worked for the first summer as an intern for the director of sales. And one of the things that I learned from the director of sales, and, and he said this, not me, he said, the world belongs to a salesman with leadership. And, and I don't think I quite understood the significance of what he said at the time. But as I reflect on it now, you know, 13 years into my entrepreneurial journey, you know, the world belongs to a salesman with leadership. You know, building a best in class organization requires tremendous leadership. But if you don't have the ability to communicate a positive vision, not only to your team members, but to customers as well, you're never going to create a company that's profitably growing. And so the ability to sell your leadership vision it is crucially important. Uh, I remember that so, so well. And one of the neat things about this guy who was the director of sales is he really let me get my feet wet and my hands dirty with anything and everything. You know, I was a summer intern, but he treated me like I had been at the company for five years. And the people I met and the sales calls that he had me tag along on, he even had me travel with him on some business trips. And, you know, I'm at this point a 17-year-old kid 
just getting to see business being done up close and personal, uh, it, it had a big impact on my life. And certainly had it not been for that internship, I would find it hard to believe that I would be in the publishing industry today. Yeah. Just thrown right into the mix there. Great to have someone like that that will take you on the road. There's nothing like that. And I love the fact that that quote, you know, belongs to a salesman with leadership because uh, leadership really is about sales in such a great respect, both internally and externally. Can you think of an unexpected learning from an unexpected source along the way? Boy, um, unexpected learning where do I start? So, uh, here, here's a fun one. So I had started a business right out of college and I I really didn't know squat from squat. I mean, I was a naive babe in the woods and I had a business partner for this first business. And this business partner was dramatically older than I was. He was probably in his mid to late forties and I was in my early twenties. And what he really wanted was he wanted a lifestyle business. He wanted to create a business where he could work from home. He wanted to create employment and jobs for his spouse and his children. And he wanted the freedom and flexibility to you know, travel and do what he wanted when he wanted. And he didn't want the formality of an office. And he didn't really want to have a bunch of team members on staff. And, you know, I had just graduated from college. I'm this super ambitious kid. And, you know, at the time I'm thinking like, you know, I want to, I want to build a great big company. And we didn't talk about that on the front end. Mm. And probably a year in, you can really start to begin feeling the strain, you know, the vision that he had and where he wanted the company to go was very different from the vision I had and where I wanted the company to go. And, you know, there's an old saying, if we're going to fight, let's at least fight up front. You know, had he and I had that crucial conversation before we signed the paperwork to become business partners, uh, the resolution in the end would have been a whole lot more pleasant. So I'll finish the story because there were a bunch of lessons learned. The first was we should have had this conversation before we went into business with each other, not after the fact. But the second lesson was he he and I were partners, and he owned 51% of the company, and I owned 49% of the company. And at the time, I'm like, 51, 49, that's basically even. (laughs) What's the difference? And I remember my dad, I had asked my dad for advice. And I said, Dad, what do you think I should do? And he said, well, you know, if you guys are truly 50-50 partners, then the equity should say 50-50, not 51-49. And I said, but Dad, you know, I I know this guy. I like this guy. I trust this guy. Get ready, Paul. What could possibly go wrong? Mm -hmm. And uh, as he and I decided that we had different visions for what we wanted this business to be, I finally said, listen, I understand you want to go down path A. I want to go down path B. Uh, What do you say? We just split the company in half. You do what you want and I do what I want. And he said, well, great. We can definitely do that, except I'm going to take 100% and you're going to take 0%. And as the 51% shareholder, he said, I'm notifying you right now that you are being fired 
and, you know, best of luck. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, this guy was my friend. This guy was somebody that I knew, liked, and trusted. How in the world could this possibly happen? And so the great lesson learned for me was, you know, in this case, neither of us were really putting capital into the business. Uh, neither of us were really bringing any asset to the business outside of our own sweat equity. Right. It, should, it should have been 50-50. And I, I made the mistake of thinking, what's the difference of one percentage point? And, um, you know, it was a very valuable lesson. When we parted ways, the business, you know, was a six-figure business. It wasn't a seven-figure business. So, you know, I can laugh about it now and say that the the lesson that I learned was more valuable than 50% of what the company was worth at the time, but uh, still a very valuable lesson that, um, you know, partnerships are tricky and being really upfront and honest on the front end of always knowing what your exit's going to be and having a negotiated buy-sell agreement between partners, boy, that, that's really important. Yeah, the uh, lucky part there was that you were in your 20s. This was your first business. And much better to uh, learn that lesson early on when it is smaller and uh, then much later on when um, you could uh, it could be a lot uglier and it could be a lot more expensive for you. Uh, so uh, that, that was a great lesson learned early on. You've, um, you know, you've now grown this business to uh, expand uh, into multiple businesses, including a relationship with Forbes. Uh, talk about what you guys are doing now with Forbes and Forbes Books. Yeah, so Forbes has just been a phenomenal partnership, and and I know you know that too because Small Giants has built such a neat partnership with Forbes too. When you look at Forbes, what most people may know or may not know is that Forbes is the largest business media company in the world. Uh, Forbes was founded in 1917, so the company is 101 years old, and uh, Forbes uh, prints the magazine in uh, 30. Uh, I'm sorry, 69 countries in 33 different languages. So it's, it's truly a global brand and a global business. And one of the things that was always really interesting to me, uh, and I always scratched my head, Paul, was I said, gee, you know, Forbes is the biggest business magazine in the world. It seems like they should probably publish business books. And I, I had an opportunity to meet uh, with the senior team at Forbes. It was kind of an impromptu introduction. And I remember saying to them, gee, you know, why don't you guys publish business books? And they, they kind of laughed and they said, geez, you know, the magazine business is hard enough. Why in the world would we want to get into the book business as well? And I said, well, what if you had a partner and we were able to take the advantage platform and the advantage infrastructure and combine that with the Forbes brand and the, the distribution and the marketing power of Forbes, you know, one plus one could maybe equal five, not just two. And uh, fortunately, uh, when I shared that vision of what Forbes books could be, uh, they were receptive and, and really kind of bought into that. So today what we've done, Paul, is we've built uh, what we believe is the premier business book publisher in the world. Uh, if you are a high-level business professional, if you are an entrepreneur or CEO, and you are writing a business-related book, 
Um, we don't think that there's a better publisher in the world for that. And what we've been able to do is take the advantage expertise in crafting books from scratch, marry that with the Forbes brand, and more importantly, marry that with the Forbes platform of 96 million readers and Forbes.com and distribution into retail stores and bookstores. And, and we've been able to create what we think is a very, very powerful platform for business leaders to really share their stories, their passion, and their knowledge with others. What a, a tremendous opportunity for entrepreneurs to become associated with the Forbes brand and that sort of distribution of uh, their story uh, is unheard of for so many people. And now you make that accessible uh, through Forbes books, which is which is wonderful uh, in, in the company there in South Carolina. You have won multiple awards as a best place to work. What are a couple of the things that you guys have done to build a, a great internal culture for Advantage Media? Yeah. So, you know, Paul, when I think about what creates a great culture, there's two words that I always come back to. And these are the hardest things I believe there is to do in business. Uh, The first is to create clarity. So everybody knows what the plan is and everybody is working on the same plan. And then the second thing outside of the clarity is really the alignment. So once everybody has the clarity on what the plan is and what needs to be done, it's alignment where everybody agrees this is the right plan and everybody agrees that we're going to work together with each other to support each other to achieve the plan. And I'll tell you, you know, there's a reason the word growing pains exists. Uh, I've never heard the term growing easy. I've always heard the term growing pains. And the reason is every time a new person comes into your organization, it creates yet another communication channel. And when you multiply that person by the people already on the team, the number of communication channels multiply at an exponential rate. And so keeping everybody clear and keeping everybody aligned, it's hard, period. But it's even harder the bigger the team becomes. And so the way that I think we have created a a fabulous culture, I I think a a culture that leads to an environment where people can truly do great work, it all comes back to those two words for me, creating clarity and creating alignment. And there's a lot of ways that we do that. But at the end of the day, if there is not clarity amongst everybody in the business on what needs to be done, and there is an alignment, which is you know, everybody's committed and agrees to this is what to be done, then, you know, a company is a dysfunctional cesspool of, you know, non-productive behaviors. Well, and to create clarity and alignment with a fast-growing company is challenging, uh, to say the least. And even in the last few years, can you think of a, a tough or humbling decision that you've had to make as a leader? I can think of one that uh, I had to make two days ago. And uh, I had to ask, uh, actually it was yesterday, I had to ask one of our senior leaders to leave the organization. And I'll tell you the reason it was tough, because this person was very smart, this person was very strategic, and this person was very good at what they did. And I had noticed that there were some things that were coming up where this person would get defensive, this person um, would get very territorial of their team. 
and they would kind of get on other leaders when they would go to someone on their team without first going through them. And so these were all these tiny little fissures that, that kind of made me say, wait a minute, something's not right here. And as I talked to some of the other people on our senior leadership team, and I said, tell me about working with this person, there was a unanimous chorus in these individual one-on-one conversations, which was, you know, this person is just difficult to work with. Now, you're probably thinking, Paul, well, well, gee, Adam, how is that a tough decision? That's the easiest decision you'd ever have to make. Well, the reason it was a tough decision is because this person was such a smart, strategic, and skilled individual. And I think that it goes back to, at the end of the day, if working together is one of the core principles of your business, then regardless of how smart somebody is, regardless of how capable they are, regardless of how productive they are, if they can't work productively with others in a positive fashion, then ultimately, you know, there's a tough decision that needs to be made. But I I think that that answer is those people can't be in your organization. And, uh, and it was a decision that I had to sleep on and think about and talk to a lot of people, take counsel. Um, but ultimately long-term there's going to be short-term pain. I think long-term, you know, the senior leader's job is to maintain a very cohesive leadership team. And at, at the end of the day, this one person, you know, it's kind of like a sand spur, uh, under the skin. And it was just creating friction that I thought, you know, wasn't going to be helpful long-term to what we're trying to do. You know, and in a situation like that, uh, while you say there's short-term pain, I think there's always, there's also short-term relief from other people on the team and also short-term opportunity. Because I think in cases like that, other people step up and you've kind of earned their trust and respect and by having the courage to make that decision. And uh, as tough as it is to go through, uh, I think everybody comes out more positively, including this person who might thrive somewhere else in another environment. Uh, so good for you to uh, have the courage to, to do that. Adam, if you think about the leadership lessons that you're learning along the way, what's one area that you'd like to continue to improve on yourself? You know, one of my mentors, one of the first leadership principles that he shared with me, and it was a principle that he brought to every position that he held. And and he was the CEO of some very, very large companies. He said, the number one thing is always to remember that people come first. And he said, that means that no matter what, every single person is treated with dignity and respect. And whether you agree with them or not, you know, you still consider their opinions uh, at face value and you respect that they've come to a decision that you may disagree with, but ultimately that convergence of views helps create a, a, a better and stronger business. And I will tell you, Paul, you know, as I self-reflect, boy, I mean, there's plenty of weaknesses. And I think one of the weaknesses, especially as the company gets bigger, is that I've got to always remember that I am not the maverick entrepreneur anymore that can just make all the decisions like Moses coming down from the mountain with the stone tablets. Mm -hmm. Even when I think I know what the right answer is, I find myself biting my tongue more. And and I'm not biting my tongue because I'm holding back on 
saying something that I would otherwise have the courage to just say to this person's face. I bite my tongue that it's important that Adam's not the one with all the answers and that I'm letting other people share their voices and share their opinions and help make decisions that are above and beyond me. I got to tell you, it's tough, Um, especially as the founder of the business. You know, when the business is your baby, and and certainly if you either own all the business or still own a large stake in the business and your livelihood is tied to the business, boy, it's hard to bite your tongue and not just say what should be done, but instead kind of let it bubble up and let other people figure out what should be done. That's hard. It is really hard. And, uh, but I think I'll give you, um, a little bit of an insight into the crystal ball that as the years go by and you continue to raise the bar with your own management team, then it's going to switch from that to, wow, they actually do know the answers and I'm not quite sure. And, uh, and you see even more the value of just elevating the people on the team, giving them the opportunity to grow and, and realizing that, you know, collaborating in terms of decision-making, uh, brings much better results, uh, long-term. Um, you know, you had this, uh, great childhood, great uh, mentors, uh, and you've taken advantage of those relationships in order to build your business. And my sense is there's a long way to go. What would you say to a younger person who's just starting out in their career about how to build or start an entrepreneurial journey? I would say to anybody that is starting out or thinking about starting out, I would say be intensely curious. And what I mean by that is always ask why. Um, You know, I think about, you know, the little kids that take apart the television set when they're six years old uh, because they just have this intense curiosity of, you know, well, well, why why does it work this way? Why does this do this? How is this made up? I think that's so neat. And as we become adults, you know, we kind of lose some of that. And maybe we just think it makes us abnormal, or maybe we think it's not socially appropriate. But but having this intense curiosity of why things are the way they are, and why things happen as they do, and why people do what they do, you know, I think it's very, very helpful for someone that's starting out. And what it also has done for me, the intense curiosity, I think has also helped keep me as humble as I possibly can be. It reminds me that most of the answers, I I don't know the answers or, you know, most of the questions I don't know the answers to. And it also keeps me always wanting to improve myself, always studying, always learning, always trying to pick up more stuff. Because the one lesson that I have learned is that if the company grows faster than the leader grows, then the company will outgrow the leader. And so if you are running a growing company, then it's imperative that you as the leader, but it's also imperative that everybody in the company is growing as quick or faster than the company, you know, otherwise the company will outgrow you or the company will outgrow your team. So being curious, always asking why, having that intense curiosity is, uh, I, I think, one of the greatest pieces of advice I could give to somebody who's starting on their entrepreneurial journey. And it's interesting how some of that sense of curiosity uh, people are born with. And um, quick story, last night I was uh, 
lying uh, with my 12-year-old son as he was falling asleep, and and he's really into uh, his YouTube channel and gaming and all this kind of stuff, and, and he's thinking about, and he draws um, comics and really creative, and he's thinking about uh, getting a computer, kind of a gaming computer, and he said, Dad, you know, when I bring this uh, to Mom, she starts asking me uh, to name the, all the pros and cons, but I really can't figure out what to do, and I know if I bring it to you, you're just going to tell me your opinion. So so what do you think? And he says, I, I was considering uh, building this gaming computer because you can buy all the parts to build it and I could customize it and do it the way I want. I said, or I could just buy one that's already built. And I just thought it was so amazing that he would have the uh, desire to build one himself at all. And I, and I uh, almost wanted to encourage him to do that before saying, well, my opinion is that there's really smart people that have uh, built this kind of stuff before, and uh, you probably can get it, um, get it already done and, and move on. But I just, I, I struggled with that because I wanted his sense of curiosity to remain. And even if that meant uh, struggling along with how we would put this together, uh, that might be a really good lesson for him. And, uh, and so, uh, the beautiful thing was just the sense of curiosity that I see in him, uh, will, will be there for his entire life. And, and hopefully he can apply that in ways that will, uh, be great wherever he works or grows a business, uh, someday. Um, so tremendous, uh, story, Adam, and I really enjoyed hearing it as I know our listeners will, uh, tell me, uh, the answers to these final five quick hit questions, kind of like the association game. Um, how about a leader that you particularly look up to? Boy, um, without a doubt, my favorite, uh, leader today is a guy named Alan Mullally. Uh, Alan was the CEO of Boeing, uh, after nine 11. And Alan was also the CEO of Ford Motor Company, from 2006 to 2014. So he helped weather Ford through the economic crisis. And of course, most people probably remember that Ford was the only American automaker that did not need a government bailout. And what I admire so much about Alan is he came into both companies and helped lead them through a time of intense crisis. But the way that he did that was getting everybody aligned and working together and on the same page. And I think that, um, there's so much that you can study about him. You know, if you Google his name, you'll find lots of articles and lots of stories and lots of YouTube videos. And, and there's been a book that was written about what he did at Ford. That's a really neat book, but, uh, hands down, he's my, uh, he's the leader that I look up to most, uh, today. And if you could do it with companies that size, uh, it's just awe-inspiring. Um, how about a how about a great book that influenced your leadership style? And I know you know about business books, so what's one that's influenced you? Yeah, so so one of my favorite business books, obviously, as a dovetail to the first question, the, the book that I mentioned was called American Icon. And that's the book about Alan Mulally's story in turning around Ford, which is a phenomenal business book. Holy smokes. I mean, you can get so many lessons from the book and it's also a page turner. I mean, it, it kind of reads like a, a thriller um, because, you know, at the end of every chapter, you know, is Ford going to survive or is Ford not going to survive? You know, what's going to happen? 
but the other book that, that really helped shape my thinking, um, it's a very strategic book, uh, but the title is The Discipline of Market Leaders. And man, the book was probably written 20 years ago, Paul. And, and I've got to say, it, it's a little technical in nature, but the author of the book makes the point that there's really only three types of companies in the world. There are operationally excellent companies, there are product innovator companies, and there are what he calls customer intimate companies. And, and he makes the argument that the best companies in the world pick one and they choose to be the best at one of those things and not try to be good at all three. Mm. And, and that really kind of shaped my thinking about what kind of company was, was I going to build. Great lesson there. Um, all right, to get a little bit uh, on the lighter side, what's uh, your favorite all-time movie? Man, my favorite all-time movie. Um, so I, I will admit I'm a reader and, and probably read a lot more than I watch. Uh, and I, and when I watch, I, man, I, I have a tendency to watch a, a lot of documentaries and stuff, which, which aren't like fun and exciting, but, but I'll give you a throwback. And for being 36 years old, this probably isn't an answer that should come out of my mouth, but, uh, I love, uh, Burt Reynolds and Smokey and the Bandit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big car guy. And of course the whole movie is like a car case. So, um, if I just wanted to veg out and have some fun, uh, a little Burt Reynolds and Smokey and the Bandits kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. And, uh, unfortunately we just lost him not too long ago. Uh, how about, well, I don't know if you'll have an answer to this. Do you have a favorite TV series that you like to binge watch maybe on the plane or traveling? Yeah. So, uh, I loved Seinfeld. Uh, that was my all time favorite show. Uh, that love has turned into curb your enthusiasm. Yeah, a good one. Larry David is absolutely brilliant. And uh, when I'm watching TV, if anything, it's typically I am watching my Clemson Tigers uh, on the TV, whether it's football or basketball. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and then lastly, what's something about you that most people don't know? Most people do not know that I am intensely interested in um, presidential leadership. And I have been uh, to every presidential library in America. And I was one of 30 live witnesses at Bill Clinton's impeachment. So I'm just fascinated with presidential history and presidential leadership and uh, have learned a lot through that and uh, have been some pretty interesting places as a result. Wow. I'm sure there's a lot that you're learning right now in that regard that's uh, uh, very interesting that or, or will be able to be a, a story you'll be able to look back on around the time we live in right now. Uh, so that's that's fascinating. Good for you, Adam. Uh, there's so many things that you said that I was reflecting on or uh, in my own business career and so many things for people to resonate with as they're growing their business careers. Let me share some of the reflections. I, I love how uh, you were lucky enough to grow up with parents that uh, gave you great values. Your dad starts this business in the garage, and so you you learn that lesson early on. Uh, I love the um, that your mentor Pat Williams uh, uh, really shared that uh, value of positive belief in everything that you do. Um, and again, I don't want to people to forget that that 
creating great relationships means sometimes you taking the first step and all it's, it simply was you writing a letter to him and then him writing back. And I can't uh, tell you how many times I was able to just reach out to someone. And the fact is most people are going to respond and say yes and be willing to help you. And, and you've had that, you know, multi, multi-year relationship to, to look back on, uh, this one summer internship you had with the publishing company, not only did it uh, introduce you to the publishing industry, which you, you learned to love, um, but this quote from your director of sales that the world belongs to salesmen with leadership. And uh, those two number, those two words are almost interchangeable um, as we reflect on what it takes to be a great leader going forward. Uh, the lesson from your first business with your partner that actually 1% makes a difference but it's to me, it's not so much about the the percent, uh, because the fact that you even had to be in a position where you were worried about or had to deal with who owned what in the company means that you weren't aligned uh, early on, and that's a mistake many of us make. And sometimes the only way is to live through it is to realize that in order for us to be successful in our business, whether it's with partners or employees or whomever, we do need to be aligned about uh, where we're going and have people feel like that they know where we're going and what their role is in getting there. Uh, so great early lesson for you. In the company today, these just, these two points that create this great culture around clarity and alignment, um, it's very simple in, in a sense that says we're very clear on where we're going and we're aligned with how we're going to get there and what each person's role is. Easier said than done, but if that is the ultimate goal and we continue to talk about that, we are well on our way to, to building a great culture. Tough lessons along the way, challenges, and and one you had yesterday, you said, with letting go of a senior person. And and, uh, one of the biggest biggest excuses I hear for people not letting people go is because they contribute, is because they they deliver something of value. And yet, when people turn out to not be a culture fit, they can really do damage to the organization, regardless of the contribution that they make. So it takes courage to make that decision. You did. I'm sure it wasn't the first time and it won't be the last. And I'd encourage people to take that as a, a great example. You know, in terms of your own growth, just the idea that uh, as we grow our businesses, we not only have to learn to listen and collaborate with other people, but the fact is we don't know all the answers. There's really smart people there. And if we can have that sense of patience, hold back. Uh, I like to talk about that quote from uh, William Marriott that said the seven most important words in business are, I don't know, what do you think? And just requires us to just sit back, let the answers come from other people, give them that credit, even if they're the answers you might've come up with on your own. I think that's a great one. And then your, your advice to young people is just to be curious and always ask why. I think what I'm seeing that in the millennials, uh, which is actually quite good and they get a bad rap sometimes for being fickle or job hopping. And I just think that they're looking to make the world a better place and they're looking for great leadership and they're looking to create value and they're asking why, and that's challenging us. I think that's a good thing. And, uh, so Adam, I know that, uh, your, your journey as much as you've achieved so far is just beginning. Thank you for sharing with us and uh, wish you the best of success going forward. Paul, thank you. What a great honor it is to be on your show and and to share with all of your uh, community. Uh, Very humbling, and I'm very grateful. And thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please support the show by subscribing to hear future episodes. Until next time.